You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you. Your chance to hear from the experts, the insiders and the industry. Get some great recipe ideas. And of course, share your questions as well as we talk all things food. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. So excited for this afternoon as we talk food. Some brilliant experts coming your way. And I'd love you to start the weekend with a big smile on your face. And even better, a 500 dirham voucher in your back pocket. Because that's what we've got up for grabs this afternoon. You could be spending 500 dirhams at Spinney's on whatever you want. Spinney's, as we know, sources its produce from hand-picked suppliers around the world, bringing you the best quality, working really closely with farmers to adhere to global sustainability guidelines, farming of tomorrow in mind. So do have a look also for the Spinney's local business incubator program. Their products are in store. We're going to be speaking to one of the winners this afternoon. So you can eat well and live well with Spinney's. So if you fancy winning that voucher, you just need to tell me, what would you spend it on? So say you were to get a match this afternoon, say, hi, it's, it's Helen from Dubai Eye. You've won that voucher. Where did your mind go? What are you going to spend it on? For me, I immediately think cherries, fish fingers, and they do an amazing butter with salt flakes. I think I just buy all of that. Plus, we get through a crazy, crazy amount of bananas in this household. I don't know if there's secret monkeys living around every corner. So I think I'll be stocking up on bananas too. So there's no right or wrong answer. You can be serious. You can be silly. Let your imagination go wild. If you were to win 500 dirhams to spend on spinnies, what would you buy? Your answer, please, and your name to 4001. The ARN Play app is there for you as well. So reach out, get in touch. Tell me, we're reading out some of our favourites and someone this afternoon actually winning a 500 dirham voucher. So good luck and get in touch. We are talking food this afternoon. Of course, Valentine's Day is just around the corner on Monday. Lovely to hear all of you getting in touch to say how you're going to be celebrating. And if you are going to be at home, which I know a lot of people will be this year, perhaps we can offer up some foodie inspiration. Joining us on the line now is Tiffany Eslick, creative and content manager at Spinney's, a real foodie herself, an excellent cook, and someone who's very much plugged in to what's happening around town, but also, of course, what's happening in store too. How are you, Tiffany? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm really well. I'm very jealous whoever's going to win this 500 dirham voucher. So if I was to give you that voucher, what would you go wild in the aisles for at Spinney's? Um, I think probably chocolate. <laughs> that is my advice. <laughs> yes. um, and seafood, yeah. Seafood and chocolate. Ooh, that's a good one. And we are talking about seafood this afternoon. We're going to be talking people through a delicious three-course meal, some real... Um, romantic food sensory food and some luxury products in there and also kind of lifting the little a little bit on what happens behind the scenes some of the produce um and already people getting in touch saying what they spend that voucher on joanna's with you she says chocolates and and cherries sandy saying i'd get all the spices that's an awesome idea stocking up your cupboards with absolutely everything you need so you can just cook all different cuisines and all different combinations. Love that, Sandy. Let us know yours on 4001. So let's look ahead to Monday, Valentine's Day. And I know I'm getting a huge number of emails about, you know, going out for food and hotel stays and things like that. But I think for for many people, it is going to be an at-home celebration this year. What puts people off a little bit is it's quite a special occasion and then things get a bit high-pressured in the kitchen and 
that's when mistakes can happen. So we're going to talk about some of the foolproof dishes and ingredients. Um, and we're going to be starting with seafood. Can you tell us a little bit about the oysters? Because they are from right here in the UAE, right here in the Middle East, the Dibba Bay oysters. Tiffany, what do we need to know? Well, you know, I think, yeah, with the whole pressure thing, I think people do get scared. And actually, they're not a difficult ingredient to prepare. Um, you know, if you pick them up at Spinney's, you can ask the fishmonger to shuck them for you on the day, which is what I always do when I'm buying oysters, because I'm not going to fiddle around with that and possibly hurt my hand. No, no one um, wants bloodshed on Valentine's Day. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Um, and there's so many different things that you can do with that. You know, we've got a fantastic recipe in the magazine at the moment, um, which is oysters with a lemon black pepper aioli mm. and Tabasco jelly. Uh, they're actually shaped into little hearts, you know, which is super cute if you want to do that. Ooh. And it's really easy to do. You know, you just have to make the jelly. You can use kind of any hot sauce you wanted to use. Uh, you don't have to use Tabasco. Um, make that, let it sit in the fridge, and then you'd cut that out with whatever shape cutter you'd like to. And... You know, you can eat them kind of, you know, fresh oysters um, with aioli if you would prefer. And, you know, if, if you're still kind of getting into oysters, I really recommend fr um, frying them. So you can sort of create a crumb um, with flour, breadcrumbs and egg and sort of do a dipping station. So you use, I always keep one hand for wet ingredients and one for dry uh, so you don't get a mess. And, um, you know, so dip that sort of crumb your oysters and then pan fry them and then you can serve them with the same aioli from the magazine um, and the jelly if you'd like to but just let them cool a little bit before you put the jelly on otherwise it's all going to melt um, so that's quite cool to do with oysters um, oh. you can also just set up a little mini oyster bar at home oh that's decadent because nice there yeah, are because yeah. people I mean I, to be honest with you I only had this is, this is so Dubai my, I'm pretty sure my kids if they haven't eaten an oyster they've definitely seen one I hadn't tried yeah. an oyster until like the last couple of years I've always been a bit intimidated and was really pleasantly surprised by those different combinations so I love the idea of setting up a little bar so you could be doing as you say that lemon black pepper a smoky one you know herbs and have that kind of interactive dining experience at home yeah you know and also just lemon juice is great with them just lemon and some tabasco like classic um another really great thing to do is to grill them uh i think people forget about that you know so you can use your grill at home or you if you want to whip out the barbecue and then you just pop them on um, you can put them on a tray in the oven grill them and then serve them whatever sauce you want oh i'm getting hungry so, so tell us yeah. then about the dibba bay oysters because they're obviously locally sourced that must make a massive difference when it comes to freshness Absolutely. You know, we're getting them into stores kind of, you know, the minute they're ready. You, they are actually also growing faster in the region because of the saline, like the, the salt in the water. So that helps actually in terms of natural production. So we can do uh, make more oysters here or grow more oysters, sorry. And, um, you know, they, what's great is that we're supporting local and mm. everyone buys from there. And, yeah, you can taste the freshness. You know, I was actually there um, at the beginning of last year and I was having oysters for breakfast at like 7 o'clock. Now <laughs> that's Dubai. So yeah, can, that's totally can, you, Dubai. can you paint us a bit of a picture about what happens up at, at Dibba Bay? Because I've got no idea how you'd even start to harvest oysters or what that space would look like. So when yeah. you went last year, can you tell us what it looks like and what happens there? Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's quite a small area, actually. You don't need a vast area to do this. And a lot of it happens out sort of at sea, but not too far off the coast. Um, it's really beautiful. You've got the Arabian Gulf everywhere. You've got the mountains in the background. And Remy from Dibba Bay has got quite a, you know, a really good setup there, but small. And um, so that he lets them 
grow to full size out in the sea and then he's harvesting on land um it's really great like you can go down there and you can see everybody pulling them up with the nets and Amazing. quite a it's very ordered um but 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 quaint and that's what i like about it you know and um yeah and so he's, he's been doing that and it's hugely successful i love it that you know you know the oyster man and you know he, he obviously knows where, but it, but that's amazing isn't it that you know he knows where his products are going he knows how they're treated in store and speaks to the fishmongers speaks to the guys in the wet bar and says this is what you need to do that you know and as you say these, you know, this team in store is there to help. They're ha- helped, you know, to guide you through the process of picking. They can shuck them for you. And I think that's something we, we kind of forget, you know, whether that is getting Absolutely. prawns deveined or even having like sashimi sliced up in store. And it's a really well-trained team who are on hand to make our lives a lot easier. And yes, Absolutely. sustainable, local. I'd much rather have an oyster that's travelled literally a matter of kilometres and hours rather than the other side of the world. So that is the suggestion for your Valentine's starter. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. We are talking food, very glorious food this afternoon. Getting you in the mood for the weekend, getting you in the mood for love next week with some romantic meal suggestions. And it's fascinating to hear what you'd go wild in the aisles for. So do get them in on 4001. Would you do include your name, please, and use the ARN Play app as well. Marilyn saying, I'd buy London Dairy Strawberry Ice Cream. Yum, yum, yum. Angela suggesting, I've always loved lamb, so I treat myself the best Welsh lamb shank. Side order of leeks and some parsnips and some tasty stilton to round it off. That is a meal I could get on board with. Almond milk and some dairy for ice cream for my daughter, along with some lunchbox treats, says Taryn. And uh, suggesting saying the bougie bougie raspberry ripple that is amazing vegan ice cream and you know what i was saying before i'd go for cherries they do this amazing butter with salt flakes and i cannot believe that i forgot the delicious cookie dough because that that calls to me every time i see it it's basically raw cookie dough that's completely safe and edible and it was the greatest thing that happened to me in 2020 so what about you what would you buy send that in please with your name to 4001 or use the dubai iMessenger app and we'll put you into the draw you could be winning 500 dirhams to spend at spinnies joining us now delighted to welcome tiffany eslick she's the creative and content manager at spinnies as we talk about cooking next week for valentine's day many people of course staying at home for that special occasion but what should you cook been discussing Dibber Bay oysters and now desperate to get up there and uh, have a look at the production. And I think the ribeye steak suggestion that you have, that recipe with anchovy butter and crispy roast potatoes, just sounds like such a crowd pleaser, Tiffany. Can you tell us a little bit about the beef that you have in store and what you think makes it special? Yeah, sure. So um, we source our beef. Uh, we've got grass-fed, free-range beef from New Zealand. And then we've got some fantastic grain-fed Angus beef, which comes from a family farm in Australia, um, from Stanbroke. I mean, all all our beef is, you know, great quality, so you can be guaranteed that. And I think, what's, you know, when you're cooking with such good produce and good good meat, you kind of, you need to just follow a few tips and then you won't really muck anything up and you'll be guaranteed a great meal. Famous last words, but no, but, but, yes. but, but there's no point in being, you know, fancy schmancy when the product is so good. You just want to let it exactly. sing. You just want to treat it with the respect that it deserves. Um, yeah. So can you give us some insider tips and tricks for cooking a great steak at home? Yes, sure. And, you know, I never used to follow any tips and I'd always get sort of this really tough meat and, you know, actually just listen to the tips and do it and it works. Um, So a friend of mine told me that always take your steak out, like about all your meat about an hour before you're going to cook it. 
Um, that's super important. Ooh, and so also, not to not cook it from cold. Let no, it, yeah. Okay, why is that? It just it will be tough no matter what you do. After, you know, so it just let it rest, bring it down to room temperature. It's so important before you then going to put it into that hot pan. And another thing is to just actually, if you've got a few days, if you can plan in advance, when you get it from the store, come home, unwrap it and pop it on a, like a wire rack on top of a baking tray and let it dry age in your fridge for two to three days. Uncovered? And then, yeah, uncovered. Really? Um, you know, I would maybe keep it on its own shelf if you mm-hmm. want to. Um, it's not, I mean, not necessary, but you can. And what happens then is when you do fry that steak, you're going to get this fantastic crust on the, on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, try that if you're going to try this recipe. Can, can I ask you, you mentioned kind of resting at the beginning, so making sure it comes up to room temp from being in the fridge. What about resting after? Because it's so tempting, you know, the, the steak comes out of the pan and you're like, oh, I just want to eat it immediately. But every mm. chef I speak to is like, you need to wait, you need to let it rest. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. But then I'm always afraid of it getting cold and I'm, my tummy's rumbling. What does resting after cooking do? It just, you know, it lets it, lets it sort of come down. All the juices are going to come out. It's going to, you, again, you don't want to just like whip it straight out the oven. You, you, you have to rest it. You, you want that juiciness. Um, so even if you can just wait five minutes, it'll I'll make try. a great difference. I will try. Yeah. But um, I'm with you with that. I never wait. I too eat tempting. like steak straight, cake straight out the oven, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned you're doing a nice giveaway as well um, for Valentine's. And this, this steak you're suggesting um, to go with an anchovy butter, and you're giving away free heart-shaped butters with every purchase from the meat and fish counter. Tell us Indeed. about this. I mean, butter, I mean, butter is love, love is butter. So, I mean, it just goes hand in hand from my point of view, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, I think we should be eating heart-shaped butters all year round, you know. Um, so we've got a pink peppercorn butter, which we're giving away at the meat counter, so with any purchase of steak, and then a lemon butter um, at the fish counter, you know, if you're wanting something, if you're more pescatarian or you feel like seafood um, on Valentine's Day. So, yeah, I mean, I would say do that. I mean, the anchovy butter is delicious. But if you can really get one, why, why make, take that extra step and make one, you know? You're absolutely <laughs> speaking my language. Love a hack. Now, the, the veggies you're suggesting with the ribeye steak, sort of crispy roast potatoes. I have tried, I have failed so many times over the years to get really good crispy spuds. My mum does an amazing job. There's no beating the, the Barbara Spearman roast potatoes. And she's tried to tell me all sorts of different trips, but like batching them around in the pan and adding... All, what are, what are your top tips, Tiffany? Because I know you do a lot of cooking yourself and you obviously share lots of advice in the magazine as well. How can we make them super crunchy but still quite fluffy? I found that if I boil them in advance, they will they, they will usually always work, you know. Um, so I would definitely take the effort to do that. You don't want to boil them to sort of oblivion, though. You know, <laughs> you want to just, just, just boiled. Um, and then... You know, you can then take them, put them on a baking tray as well, let them dry out a little bit. That will that helps. And then you could pan fry them instead of roast them. And then mm-hmm. that you'll get like a really nice crispy edge. Otherwise, if you, once you've boiled them, um, leave them in the, like drain the water, leave them in the pot and sort of shake them up and down just to sort of fluff them out. Um, and then put them into your, um, your roasting tin. I often take a fork and then sort of smash them down a little bit. Not, not too much. Um, then lather with olive oil, um, salt, pepper, and then roast for like 30 minutes. But it's that pre-boiling, you know, that really works. Tiffany, tummy is Mm. (laughs) rumbling. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. 
You are listening to Dubai Eye 103.8. Helen Farmer with you as we kick off the fifth season of Farmer's Kitchen in association with Spinney's Talking Food, Recipe Inspiration, Experts Galore. Tiffany joining us live on the line as we look ahead to Valentine's Day next week. It is creeping up, guys. And I say, guys, now it's not the time to do last minute. Plan ahead and that might mean cooking a beautiful meal for your loved one. Tiffany, we've talked about Dibba Bay oysters, beautiful ribeye and some great cooking tips there as well. But what about dessert? Because you've got a recipe for a 10 minute chocolate mousse that I need to have in my life. What do we need to know and how do we make it? Well, I mean, I think it just it has to be made so that you know, there's no question about this because it's so easy. Um, all you need is some really, really good dark chocolate, uh, full cream milk, sugar, egg whites and whipping cream. And then you could have like some cocoa powder and raspberries for topping. And, you know, you can also flavor this chocolate mousse. So if you want to use instant coffee, for example, you could have that, maybe a few drops of rose water. But really, you just need a few utensils and you, you're set. Um, yeah, so it's basically you're just going to roughly chop up your chocolate. You're going to combine your milk and sugar and boil that and then pour your hot milk over your chopped chocolate and um, sort of let that melt. So you don't even have to go the whole bain-marie route of slowly melting chocolate over mm-hmm. the stove. Um, and then you're going to mix that, let it cool, and then mix it with egg whites and whipping cream in a blender. Blitz that all up and then pour it into either one large bowl or two small bowls, however you want to do it. Um, the thing is, you just need to let it set for an hour. So um, there is that, but you know, that's, that's, you can do something else and cook your ribeye while you're letting it set. Um, yeah, and then serve it with a dusting of, of chocolate and some fresh fruit. Oh, now, for anyone who can't be bothered with even <laughs> the easiest of chocolate mousses, what have you got in store, that lovely bakery counter? Anything specially themed for Valentine's Day, Tiffany? Absolutely. So we've brought in some amazing exclusive heart-shaped cakes, uh, macaroons, cupcakes. There's a raspberry dome, which looks super impressive. Um, yeah, and, you know, they, um, they're they really, really doing well. People are loving them. So, you know, they, and they'll be there up until Valentine's Day. We've also got, you know, if you kind of want to just go for a beautiful chocolate box, we've got some great items from Butler's and Charbonneau and Walker. That's so the one I always see, chocolate. like the mm. most beautiful packaging. It's the truffles. It's kind of got a metallic um, lettering on. They're so gorgeous. I always think they make a lovely gift for the dinner parties that I'm not going to right now but for valentine's day a lovely box of chocolates and you always have fresh flowers in store as well and i have to say and i've really noticed the last couple of years so many beautiful blooms coming into store and dried Mm. flowers as well you know for if you are like me and flowers last a matter of minutes um some Mm. really lovely uh lovely options now last year you had um guys there wrapping individual roses and making bouquets and lots of things happening in store is that going to be the case this year as well Yes, yeah, we've got some really beautiful bouquets. So I think the best thing is just head down in stores to see, you know. Um, but yeah, and you can really mix and match. I'm with you with the dried flowers. I think they, you know, they're really beautiful and they're great for, you know, when flowers do only last in a house where, you know, animals could knock them over or who knows what could happen. Um, but yeah, beautiful, beautiful bouquets. And before I let you get back to your busy day ahead of the weekend, um, can we talk about a little mocktail for uh, having a special occasion, Valentine's Day at home? The rest recipe for it sounds delicious raspberry and lychee spritz how do you make the spritz and what do you need yes yeah, so, i mean this is super easy as well you just need some lychee juice um 
sparkling water or you could swap that out for we've got a fantastic naughty Prosecco so zero alcohol Prosecco um, and then just a large lemon and so you just gonna squeeze the lemon juice put that into your sparkling water or whatever you want to use with the lychee juice and then pour that over some raspberry sorbet. We've got a fantastic one from Spinney's Food. Um, you could also, if you want to go more mango, you don't have to go raspberry. You could Mango and lychee work really well, mm. and we've also got a mango sorbet. Um, and then you can garnish that um, with some dry rosebuds, edible flowers, and, and there you have it. You know, And it looks really beautiful. And you don't even need to go out on Valentine's Day. You don't need, well, I have to say, half the fun is, is looking at other couples going, is this a first date? <laughs> is, this, is this their last supper? <laughs> but at home, you can be in your PG and have a beautiful meal and wonderful to hear about the things that are available in store and thank you for all the tips and tricks you can of course find more advice more um, tips for how to prepare things how things are sourced as we said amazing relationship with the farmers at Spinney's in the Spinney's magazine which is on shelves now Tiffany have a wonderful weekend ahead thank you so so much I'm now really regretting uh my lunch now i just want to eat you bye <laughs> have a good one thank you, you too. okay bye uh, bye bye now welcome back to farmer's kitchen with spinnies eat well live well only on dubai i 103.8 great to have you with us on this thursday afternoon how is your day in just three words i'll tell you mine mine is this is weird because my new guest on the show this afternoon it's my husband nick farmer mr f how are you I'm all right, thank you. This is peculiar. Very. <laughs> so we are broadcasting from home in something we affectionately call the cage, which sounds awful. It's basically where we put the kids. And it started off as a small area that's just grown and grown. And it's our way of keeping the dog separate from the toys and the kids separate from us as well. So we're on the sofa because Valentine's Day is coming. And about a year ago, we committed to trying something a little bit different when it comes to spending time together and if you are well and truly out of the honeymoon phase of your relationship where dates involve perhaps sofas and pit fire pizza and watching another episode of succession then this is your chance to perhaps change things up a bit out of the honeymoon phase ouch <laughs> it's been 11 years yeah, true <laughs> the 11 year itch but this is our way really of well, I don't know. You, you tell me. Can you explain what alphabet dating is, first of all? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think for us it started because, you know, at the beginning of 20... When did we start? 20, end and, of 20, yeah. End of 2019. I think you'd, you'd spent a lot of 2019 focusing on your sort of health and fitness and lifestyle, and then I caught up with you a little bit uh, towards the end of 2019. So the goal was how do we date, but not, as you say, on the sofa? Or always make it food-based. Because it is a really easy trap to fall into, just, you know, watching another episode, ordering another pizza. So alphabet dating is a concept I came across on Instagram. Some friends of mine were doing it. And it basically means you work through the alphabet, A to Z, and with each letter you find a different activity. So, for example, we did, for A, we went to Aventura, which mm. was <laughs> not your favourite. Not my favourite. Don't love heights. <laughs> for those uh, that do, it's great. It was, it's a brilliant place in Mushroom Park, but it is high lines and zip lines. And, yeah, you're not a massive fan of heights. Um, so you work your way through. And I think, in theory, what you're supposed to do is kind of alternate who organises mm. the dates. So we will have a quick kind of... But we will talk to you about what we did from A to Z. But can I ask you, Nick Farmer, out of alphabet dating, and we have completed it, we reached Z on Christmas Eve, which is our wedding anniversary. What was your favourite? Oh, I don't know. I really enjoyed uh, H for hot air ballooning that out, out was in the desert. Amazing. Early start, bit of a 
bit of a rush because we kind of got lost and had to drive through a bumpy bit of desert to find a pickup <laughs> point. But next to Dragon Mart. Um, that was great. Seeing Dubai from a completely different perspective, watching the poor. Poor Falcon guy oh, loses Falcon. No, and he tried and to then, style it out <laughs> and, and just didn't. <laughs> that was that was quite entertaining. Not for that guy, obviously, but that was a brilliant adventure. Um, w Water Sports, which was an early morning jet ski ride from the fishing village close to us in Jamira out to the Palm and back. Yeah, that and, was really uh, fun. So that was with Nemo Water Sports. That was really cool. Um, what else? Enjoyed making fragrances at Ula Lab in uh, Alcoz. That was that was fun. That was one that, that I thought I'd have to kind of drag you along to, but because it was quite scientific, and we we had a really great guy guiding mm. us through all the different elements of how to make a scent. He really kind of helped us craft something. So we both took home a kind of an aftershaver perfume. I would say, for the public record. Yours was yours was really good. Yours was I I would wear yours. Mine I was like it's nice, but I think not that it was a competition. But if it was, you would have won. I'm not sure who's wearing it now. It's been in my desk. Oh, my, bring my, it back! My, I'll my wear desk it. Desk in the office and for, forever. But I, I think I think what the main aim for for me was about having these shared experiences, kind of away from the kids. For, mm. You know, and we are incredibly lucky that we have the amazing. Loretta, who is our nanny and and very much the glue of the household, and mm. you, you have said before that. Well, she's the one indispensable person. Yeah, in this house. <laughs> any any of us could go, yeah. could go. But if Loretta goes, we're, we're in trouble. Right. So we have had the luxury of having someone to look after kids if it were if we were going mm. out on an evening or on a Saturday afternoon, and it's something we've been really conscious of. I think kind of throughout our marriage that we do need to make time for ourselves as a couple. Yeah, well, I think there was an us before there was the kids, so it's important not to important not to lose that. Mm-hmm. And you know providing they're they're not going to be the ultimate boomerang children um (laughs) they are you know going to be leaving the nest one day and i I do think it's really important for a couple to have things that is just them and that you're not Mm. just fully you know dependent on your family unit you know as a as a a children as the children um some great three word uh thursdays coming in saying full of love uh lazy day party and relax nick farmer what's your three word thursday how was your day in just three words oh how was my day in three words um Zoom, Teams, Radio. Email. <laughs> <laughs> I have stolen you away. So Nick has been working from home um, on and off for the last year. And well, I mean, your home office is basically a little spot next to the toilet. But it's my spot. I know, I know. Um, so for anyone who is kind of curious about alphabet dating, I really do recommend it. Um, and, and obviously we did it during 2020 and during the lockdown. There was a bit of a low point where we did... <laughs> kids in charge. Kids in charge. I for isolation. <laughs> there was J for um, just because. We were supposed to be going to a wedding in Scotland that obviously got postponed because of um, COVID. So we wore what we were going to be wearing for the wedding and had dinner at home. Yep. The only time my very expensive oh. and specially bought kilt has actually had an airing has actually been worn so obviously valentine's day is around the corner so i'd love to hear some of the ways that you spend time together the way you carve out time together and kind of really try and make time for your relationship so get them in on 4001 and going to the text line wonderful to hear what you'd spend that 500 dirhams on if i i do have 500 dirhams to give away this afternoon if you were given a voucher for 500 dirhams to spend at spinney's on whatever you want 
We've had Patrick saying toilet paper. We've had lots of shouts for cheese. What would it be? Um, Laddie's saying um, organic food. I'd cook for my flatmate. Zara's saying um, ingredients for dinner. I want to cook for my husband. We're frontliners handling COVID and can't go out on Valentine's Day. Marshmallow fluff for yummy fudge, said Rhea. That gets your vote, honey. Well, All over that. I just don't know what it is. Oh, it's like, um, it's like marshmallow fluff in a jar. It's delicious. Yeah. Scones, spinnies are yum. Um, so no right or wrong answer. Finn saying, great show. I'd buy some coconut yogurt for me and the rest on cat food for stray cats. Happy <laughs> weekend. Love it. Good shout. So let us know. What would you spend 500 dirhams on? Um, message is saying, how often did you do the alphabet dating? Great question. It took us about a year, didn't it? Yeah, so, so kind of every other week. Yeah, pretty much. 20, 26 dates, fifty-two weeks. Well, we went just over the year. I mean, I think we some we'd go through periods where we'd have a good run, maybe like once a week or maybe even a bit more frequent. But I think there were definitely points where we sort of stretched it out a couple of weeks. But I'd say if we were averaging sort of every every ten days, that'd be good. And then obviously we had. Uh, it was a bit like the sort of end of a football season, just that kind of frantic run in <laughs> quick, just to try and... Let's go through WXYZ. Well, yeah, because we had to get to Z for Christmas Eve for, to finish off at Zuma for... Um, Don't spoil it. ...for wedding anniversary lunch. Up next, we will be telling you exactly what we did, the activities from A to Z right here in Dubai. We did have one in Scotland. Welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. And it is great to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon. I'm Helen Farmer, joined by Mr. Nick Farmer, broadcasting Hello. from home on our sofa. <laughs> um, we are talking Valentine's Day. It is, of course, creeping up on us. What, what have we got planned? What are you going to do? Well, I've just cancelled our dinner reservation, oh. which, is what, which is what you'd asked me to do. <laughs> we'll think of something. <laughs> but well, over the course of the last year, we've been doing something called alphabet dating. And the concept is simple. You and your other half take it in turns to plan regular dates, taking inspiration from the alphabet to plan your activity it's fun it's pretty simple and it does get you out of that routine of saying um another episode of succession then although by the way i do want to watch succession tonight fair enough thank you so let's tell you what we did and by the way there are loads of resources online you can just do a quick google of alphabet dating there's um loads of suggestions but this is what we did so a was for aventura this is ziplining in mushroom park b was for a beach day we went privily to the Versace Hotel, That's right, which yeah. was awesome. For C, we went to see a Christmas movie at Cinema Akeel, Home Alone. Yeah, and D was a distillery tour in uh, close to Mum and Dad in Scotland when we were back for Christmas. E was a great one for you because you are very learned about art history. I know nothing. So <laughs> we went to an exhibition at the Louvre in Abu Dhabi. That was a brilliant one. Yeah, that was great. And then F was fragrances at Ula Lab in uh, Alsakal Avenue. So creating your own perfume or aftershave from scratch. And I really loved that one too. And it's great to have a souvenir. G, we went to Global Village and ate our way around the world. All the Turkish towels we could carry. And on. loads of Turkish towels. And then H was hot air ballooning, which was fantastic. That Early was start, sunrise so over beautiful. It was just a brilliant, brilliant morning. And, you know, back in time for breakfast, falconry, it was gorgeous. I was a low point. I was uh, just around lockdown. So I was for isolation. We had dinner at home. I yeah. think we ordered from Streetery. Actually, the food was brilliant. The food was great, yeah. But, but the, uh, 
the setting. That was all right. Far from ideal. Jay was just because we were supposed to be in Scotland, so you got to wear your kilt. The only time. The only time. Kay was, uh, we put the kids in charge of our dinner at home. Again, another <laughs> lockdown low point. Um, <laughs> that was sweet, though. Phoebe, writing Phoebe, menus. Phoebe wrote the menu, settings. and she showed yeah. us to our table in the garden. Um, Elle was learning. We did a workshop with the tasting class, which was brilliant, all on Zoom, of course, because it was 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then M, we got an inflatable screen and had a, and beanbags and had a movie night in the garden, which was fun. That was fun. Um, N, to celebrate the end of lockdown, we had a night out. We went to Corrine and had a really beautiful meal. Yeah, beautiful but weird because it was the first time people had been out. For yeah, ages, so. and they had the menus on that those really big boards. Do you remember? Yeah, no one knew what to do. And then... Oh, was offshore. We went sailing. That was that when we got the boat. Yeah, we yeah, went. We went. We went on the ocean for a bit of offshore. Painting was P. We got kits from We Love Art. Yeah, and that was very cool. It was awesome, wasn't it? We kind of recreated our own masterpieces, not in one night, but over the course of a few nights. Mm. And I really enjoyed that. I'm st- I'm very proud of what we achieved with those. Which was a good level of creativity, given that we then went for. Quarter for Q was quarter pounders, <laughs> which they're not quarter pounders. They're very very good. We were a massive artistic uh, license uh, with uh, Q. High joint. I don't know what. I mean, what else are we should do for Q? No uh, idea. Our neighbourhood burger joint. Which high joint excellent. for anyone who hasn't been. You are eating burgers in a car park, but my goodness, what the burgers? burgers are phenomenal. Now, R was not my favourite. No, the Rock Republic, bit of bouldering until you mm. fell off and hurt your shoulder and my back <laughs> never again back. I, I kind of had ideas about rock climbing with ropes and it wasn't it was more like clinging on and I got freaked out about a strange height and thought I was going to get a twisty ankle you were brilliant at it I was rubbish at it. Didn't enjoy it. The next one was much more relaxing, though. Well, that was definitely more your speed, wasn't it? Staycation at the at the Ritz Carlton. That was definitely that was much much more me. Um, so we managed to sneak away from the kids for a whole. I was going to say twenty four hours. It wasn't even twenty four hours. I think we left after we breakfast. Lucky. Eighteen if we were lucky. <laughs> for tea, we got active. We went trekking. It was our first time, kind of hitting the mountains in brand new hiking boots, and we went to Shaukadam, and that's been such a great thing for us, hasn't it? Oh yeah, big time. Just big skies, great outdoors. You know, it's been uh, it's been perfect. And then uh, and then you was under the stars, which we went to oh, the Vox, Vox at Galleria Mall to watch Witches. That was brilliant. I really I really enjoyed, enjoyed um, being in and the, the fresh air, watching perfect. a film. Good food, and it felt like a little secluded spot. It was awesome. Um, now V was a virtual reality. We went to Dreamscape at Mall of the Emirates, which is kind of next to the Apple Store. And I've never really done virtual reality before. I've done like some kind of rubbish mm. ones, but this is. I don't even know how to explain it. It completely boggled my mind. It was mental. Really immersive. Really good. And it was only like 15, 20 minutes and then dinner at Din Tai Fung afterwards. Yeah, that was honestly virtual reality. If you haven't tried this one, there's all sorts of different kind of cinematic experience you can do. We did one that was under the water and you kind of met a whale and it was, uh, it was, it was, it, it completely broke my brain. So I really recommend that. W was water sports, Nemo jet skiing, and we went out on jet skis out towards the Burj and the Palm. Mm. Loved it. Brilliant. I thought I'd be kind of really afraid. I'm like, don't go too fast. And he was like, <laughs> go fast. <laughs> and then X. Christmas concert in uh, Trade Center. Uh, I can't remember. The band, I can't the remember band. either. They were great. Mix of everything. Bit of swing, bit of uh, Les Mis. I cried. Bit of, you cried, obviously. You cried. Um <laughs> bit of uh jersey but oh, it was great it was it was a really i think it was the first time because of lockdown and you know again hearts going out to all of the performers and musicians because it's been a really challenging time but it was it was really emotional to see people performing and doing mm. what they're good at on the stage it was a wonderful wonderful night and then we did the quick rush of wxy why was yoga 
um, with Sarah Loves Yoga. And this is out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yoga on the beach. In the public. In public. I, I, I think we both did really well. Well, I think we did all right, yeah. We did all right. <laughs> and then Z, it wasn't catching some Zs, although we were pretty tired after all of that. We went to Zuma for lunch on Christmas Eve, which is our wedding anniversary. And I think we were even sat at the same table as where we'd had our previous I think wedding we did. anniversary at Zuma. Well. And I am so, so pleased. Okay, so here's my question to you, Nick Farmer. Valentine's Day is next week. Should we start alphabet dating again? Yes. And what are we going to do for A? Archery. Archery. I was thinking all terrain because they've got a new um, off-road place that's opened in Sharjah. Well, there is that, or just antagonise each other. Oh, let's do that. Which, which Sold do. on that which point. Thank you for your time, Nick Farmer. You're very welcome. You can get back to your toilet office now. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. And it's great to have you with us, Helen and Farmer, with you on Farmer's Kitchen. We're back with our fifth series. We're going to be talking inspiration for food, for getting out and about, eating well and living well. We are delighted to be joined on the line now by Stuart Housen, uh, the man behind the Spinney's Cycle Challenge. He's the race director. Stuart, how are you? I am very well, thanks. How are you doing, Helen? I'm very well, except I'm really jealous whoever's going to win this prize. I keep on thinking... Cookie dough, cherries, fish fingers. What would you spend 500 dirhams on in Spinney's? You know, I was listening to you say that. And I was just trying to ponder through my head, what can I spend 500 dirhams on? Because they've got such a diversity of choice in Spinney's. And that's, oh, they've got incredible flowers. So if you're looking for a way out, guys, go down, <laughs> flowers, or a way in. Great of or a way in, yeah. Um, and great chocolates and oh, they've got such an incredible cheese range. Cheese! Oh, yeah. I know. I keep on coming back to thinking about the Wensleydale with cranberries. Maybe I'll just buy all the cheese and annoy all the other customers. But from Absolutely. food to fitness, let's talk about the Spinney's Cycle Challenge. Now, tell us a little bit about your passion for this, uh, for this activity and this hobby, really. Where did it begin for you? Yeah, so the Spinney's Divine Night 2 Cycle Challenge started, um, it was something that it's an event that's been in my mind for many, many years. Um, coming from a background in South Africa where we raced uh, every weekend, there was two, three events that we could take part in. We had so many different options to choose from. Um, and when I moved to the UAE and to Dubai in, um, that was 13 years ago, I just found that there wasn't, um, there was a lot of cycling going on, but there was nothing competitive going mm. on. Um, and yeah, managed to, to team up with the guys at, uh, at Spinney's, Yanni Holthausen, who at the time was the CEO. Um, a former Cape Town resident. So he knew about the Cape Town Cycle Tour that I wanted to model the Spinney's Dubai 92 Cycle Challenge after, which was just about getting getting amateurs and ex-pros and uh, people who have never ridden a bike before the opportunity to, to get out and build themselves up into a fitness that, um, yeah, it's pretty easy to attain. It's not the sort of thing that you have to practice at Is often to be really good at. Because I hear the distance ago. That's like an awfully long way. Um, when is the event? When's it taking place? And is there still enough time to get involved and to train? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the Spinning Violent Two Cycle Challenge is set at the moment for the 26th of March. So we're looking at, what, 42 days, 43 days away um, for the big event. That's the main race taking place on Friday morning, the 26th of March. Um, it is, you know, cycling is one of those things that people think it's uh, incredibly difficult. You know, the first time you get on a bike, 10K seems like a long way to go. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's one of those sports that you find yourself getting progressively better and better at rapidly. You know, I know that uh, the guys from Dubai, that, was, that um, uh, Chris McCarty, when he was doing the golf and that, um, it was week on week. You, you, you don't get yourself 
marginally better. But when you play, when you cycle, week on week, you're out and ride, 5Ks becomes 10, becomes 20. And next thing you know, 92Ks is, is a walk in the park. Or, or a trip, do a trip on the you road. I could. could do well, it. do you know what? It's funny you should say that because I think what's been really interesting over the last year is how many people have got on their bikes. We saw worldwide oh, wow. bikes selling out. I got a bike for my birthday last year and it's been honestly the most wonderful addition. And don't get me wrong, this is not the kind of bike that I would take out for the, for the challenge. But... It's made me see the city in a completely different way. You know, like, you know, I'd pop to Spinney's and pop my shopping in my basket rather than getting in the car. You know, going along um, to the beach. It's all just, it, it's made me think about where I live and feel a bit more connected to it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, so my involvement in cycling stems on two parts. So I'm an avid cyclist. I've, I own Revolution Cycles Dubai. And you talk about bikes being sold out over this, this COVID-19 um, pandemic in this period. We, we are struggling um, globally to get any stocks in. Wow. And it's not purely based on the fact that they're, they're, um, the manufacturers aren't able to make it. It's just the demand globally has been excessive. It's just through the roof, the amount of demands on bikes, from absolute entry-level bikes, from five, 600 Durham bikes, up to your 50, 60,000 Durham bikes. They, they just oh, don't 50, exist at the moment. 50, 60. Okay, can, can you demystify yeah. this for me, please? Okay, <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm, sure. I'm not going to name any names because I am friends with a couple of these individuals, but there seems to be uh -huh. a lot of bike nerdery about, you know, different materials and, you know, shaving off a couple of grams here and there. Do you need to be spending 50,000 Durham on a bike to take part in this challenge, Stuart? So I'll give you two answers to this. Go so on. The owner of, uh, of a bike shop will say, absolutely, you need to spend the most money you can on a bike. <laughs> yeah. But the honest answer is, you know what? We, we have a lot of people come in with bikes that are a couple of hundred dirhams. And they say, yeah, I've got a really, like you're saying, my bike isn't something I want to show off. And, you know, I don't think I'm very proud of my bike. But I ask the question simply, how often do you ride your bike? Your, your 600 dirham bike, how often do you ride it? Mm -hmm. Oh, I ride it four or five times a week. Somebody who might have a 60,000 Durham bike, you ask them the same question, well, I get up maybe once a week. So, you know, a bike is as good as a bike is. The more you ride it, the better the bike is. So, yeah, absolutely, there's marginal gains by having an upgraded carbon fiber, having um, the lightest wheels, having the, the most aerodynamic this and that. But at the end of the day, if you're not riding your bike, the bike is no good. Well, that's exactly, it's just going to be gathering dust. Talk to me about Lycra. How do we... Oh. <laughs> can you wear shorts and t-shirt to do the spinny cycle challenge or do you need to go full mammal you so there's benefits in having you don't have to go full mammal but what i would say is absolutely a set of good padded cycling shorts is mm. something that it sounds like uh, you've, you've learned this the hard way <laughs> oh yeah for sure i mean 92 kilometers if you're doing it if you're doing it as a race pace you'll probably be finished in two hours two hours ten if you're uh, doing it at at leisure and enjoying the sights and sounds around the streets of Dubai. You've got four hours to do it into four hours and a small little piece of chamois. Yeah, you, mm -hmm. you'd want to have a nice padded saddle. Bit of a John Wayne situation the next day. Um, and Absolutely. talk to me then about the kind of community around it, because it's such a popular event and has been for a number of years now. Um, how are you going to be keep, keeping people safe during this strange time when there are going to be crowds and there are going to, going to be people at the starting line? It must be a, It must be a completely different race to times gone by. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, if you look at uh, the previous years where we had Spinney's put on that incredible barbecues post-race mm, and on our right. build-up rides, we had great villages where there was lots of sampling and, and, and food and stuff going around. 
So look, we, what we're doing is we're working very closely with the, the Dubai Sports Council and uh, running under the guidances of what they've put together under the COVID-19 regulations. Cycling as a sport has its benefits in the fact that it's not a sport that's close contact, yeah, you know, well, we hope. Um, so you've already got a social distance apart from that. Um, pre-ride, obviously, we're, we're managing the start area. We're just increasing the size of the pens where, where people are setting off from. So instead of having bigger groups in a smaller place, we kind of have bigger pens with uh, smaller numbers in. So the start groups will be socially distancing. Um, and it's, you know, we, what we did with the build-up rides is we, instead of having mass starts of group A, group B, group C, we kind of opened the, the timing gates for a longer period of time. So people didn't have to gather around and, and they were still able to take part in the sport that they love. You know, you're out in the sunshine, you're out in the fresh air, you still get to have that social ambience on the bike with your, with your best mates or, or new friends that will become your best mates after 90 Ks on the bike. <laughs> so from a, from a social distancing point of view, we've, we've kind of got that covered. Um, it, it, as you say, is it, yeah, it's just that you just you need, need to be thinking ahead and answering questions before they even come up and making sure everyone is feeling safe and in a headspace to, en- to enjoy themselves on the day. Um, can you tell me about the route? Yeah. Where does it start from? Where are you going to for those 92 kilometres? So every year we try and change and, and tweak the route a little bit better. Um, and obviously over the years, Dubai has got more and more populated. Um, the roads have got better. The roads have got bigger. So we've always found ourselves being moved around from different locations to, to make sure that we're not... And we are capturing great highlight spots of the city so that people can still see the skylines and, and, and pass by some iconic views. This year, I can't say where we're going to start and finish because we're, we're just waiting for the announcement to come out that, uh, that it's all green to go ahead. But we have got an exciting uh, couple of twists and turns coming in from, from last year's route. Cliffhanger. Um, oh, you know, oh it's, it, it's absolutely. We're all we're all sitting on tender hooks waiting to, to get the green light because it's going to be an amazing route. Oh, um, well, you'll keep us posted, won't you? Not, absolutely. Obviously, our biggest thing is making sure that the city keeps running whilst the Spinning the Buy 92 Cycle Challenge is going through. We've got you know, sort of 2,000, 2,500 people on bikes. Yeah, there's still 7 million people that still need to get around the day. Absolutely. Stuart, thank you so much for your time today. As you said, build-up rides happening. Uh, is there one going on this weekend, I believe? Um, we had to postpone this weekend's one. It'll be in, uh, we're going to be moving into March. We're Brilliant. just waiting for confirmation from the Dubai Sports Council. But yeah, all things seem all to thi- be go ahead. Brilliant. Cyclechallenge.ae is where you need to go. As you said, 42 days until that race. Stuart, have a wonderful weekend. Now get on your bike. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. So we are talking food this afternoon, but it's not just food that's for sale in Spinneys. In fact, as part of their incubator program, they've been encouraging brilliant business minds and entrepreneurs from a range of different industries, including our guest now, Aisha from Skin Concept. Um, It was, well came to light really because of that incubator program a ua-based bath and beauty company that makes beautiful handcrafted products so aisha well first of all we haven't spoken before so let me take this opportunity to say congratulations on being one of the winners and now being available in store at spinney's how are you this afternoon hi good afternoon i'm good how are you guys yeah really well thank you um a massive congratulations on now being available across stores in spinney's it must be quite surreal to see your own project then now at market how did it feel to win oh it was amazing it was it was unbelievable at the start 
So we had to pinch ourselves every day. We knew that, yes, it was happening, actually. As I said, it's a, you're, you're very much kind of homegrown talent. So a UA-based company that look, looks at kind of nurturing the inner self. We had a master saying, I've spent 500 germs on, uh, on bath products. Well, maybe you could do it with skin concept. Because can you tell us a little bit, can you start from the beginning about where the idea for this company came from and, and really what the gap in the market was that you identified? Uh, so I have been in Dubai for about 17 years. And there, uh, I did feel that uh, something like this was missing in the market. When we'd go out vacationing, we'd see all these brands selling handmade stuff at handmade markets. And something like that was not available here. So this was something that came to and because I was always using handmade soaps. So I'd have to collect all of my uh, ear stock from Global Village. So you'd be so, you'd be taking a suitcase to Global Village to, to yeah, bring yeah, it back, collect everything <laughs> for the whole year. Um, Aisha, can I ask what what you know what's what was the day job before starting this? Did you have any experience in you know soap making and toiletries and the beauty business? Uh, so I had uh, owned and managed an international uh, beauty salon franchise for six years before I decided to uh, do my own brand. Uh, so yes, beauty was. Uh, always my passion. I am a certified makeup artist as well. So that's the direction I wanted to go ahead in my life. So uh, handmade and natural, is that, that's something that uh, I aspire for. And why do you, why do you think it's important that that the natural aspect is there? And when we say natural, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. We're not talking about kind of boring soap. When you see them on the shelf, it's really eye catching colours. The, the packaging's gorgeous. But tell us about that natural aspect. Why do you feel like that's something we should all be more aware of? Uh, that's something that I've always grown up. With. I've grown up with that. Uh, everything that we uh, could put on our skins had to come from our kitchen shelves. So, but obviously that's not how uh, our products are right now. So every time I saw a handmade soap in the market, it was bland and boring. Uh, but I like colors. I like uh, the aesthetic part of anything that I'm using is very important to me. So we sort of went ahead and blended both of them. Uh, a handmade soap doesn't always have to be boring or a brown or a gray in color. It can be very colourful at the same time, good for your skin. So that's something that we have done. So vegan, environmentally friendly and made by cold process. What is cold process? What does it mean and why is it a good thing? Uh, so cold process is the way of soap. That was how soap had always been made uh, when it started getting made. So there's something of blending the oils uh, with the... Uh, what gets converted into soap uh, through the cold process method. Uh, using that me- this method basically means that the natural occurring glycerin in a soap is not removed. It allows the ingredients to stay at a low temperature and it guarantees that their uh, therapeutic properties stay in them. So the gentle ingredients that are formed in the soap making process are perfect for hydrating and nourishing the skin and do not leave your skin dry. The people usually complain, soap leaves my skin dry. But uh, we make sure that with this process, uh, your skin keeps getting hydrated and especially 
uh, at present uh, since hygiene is of such importance post-COVID. I know, we've never washed our hands more than the last year. So, And then a lot exactly. of people are complaining about having dry hands and then having to spend the same money again on, on lotions to, to rehydrate. But with this process... You're managing to kind of lock some of that moisture in. And it's not just soaps you're doing, you're doing salts and scrubs. And um, I wanted to ask you, as um, as an entrepreneur, why do you feel like it is so important to, to support small businesses, especially now, Aisha? Small businesses, I feel, are a backbone of any economy because uh, the multinationals focus more on international markets, while uh, small businesses... Uh, cater to the local market, so keeping the local economy supported. Plus also they uh, sort of cater to creating more meaningful jobs. Mm-hmm. That is, I feel the job satisfaction aspect of uh, a small business is more than what a, a multinational huge business can bring. Now, we are um, hoping that there's going to be another Spinney's Incubator program launched in 2021. And as I said, the kind of alumni of, um, of the last one is, is really quite an unusual group of people that have come together and have been encouraged and nurtured by Spinney's. We've got um, yes. kind of ready meals. We've got um, different food products, teas. You know, you're coming in from the beauty side as well. What advice would you give to anyone who wants to get involved in the program or even any aspiring entrepreneurs in 2021? Um, I think the uh, the markets right now, what they need is disruption. So I feel any anything, any brands that can bring that about in the market will be chosen by any incubator. We're all looking for things uh, that are helpful in our daily lives but with a little change in them. Mm-hmm. And I think so, with some a business idea that's viable and that, that can bring in that disruption would uh, be successful. That, that was our uh, uh, inspiration behind the whole thing. We wanted, uh, though natural, organic, it has been in the market for a long time. It's, nothing, it's, not, an, it's not niche anymore. But at the same time, I felt that the aesthetic part of our brand. Uh, you know, basically, I, I have always wanted that when people use my products, they would be in their happy spaces. Mm-hmm. That colors and being close to your roots in nature is very, very important. Especially now, that's, we, that's you know. Oh, it's, and where can people find out more? As I said, you obviously are stocked in Spinneys now, but if people want to see the products on social media, what's the best way of, uh, of getting in touch with you? So we have a website where they can get in touch with us. Uh, they can order online. We are trying to expand our uh, online reach uh, through Spinney's Online as well and uh, looking at other uh, catered to our kind of products. And uh, so people will be able to uh, buy us from more places than one. That's uh, the next step, yes. Well, massive congratulations on now being stocked in store. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend ahead. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8.
We are talking food on Farmer's Kitchen this afternoon and delighted to be joined now by Jordana, child nutritionist, who's on hand to answer your questions. Jordana, you um you work with a lot of different clinics, different experts, and of course with Spinneys as well. And we're having a special look at cauliflower pizza this afternoon. Why do you love this recipe? Hi, Helen. Thanks for having me again. Pleasure. Um, why do I love cauliflower pizza? Because it's a way that our children are actually able to be experiencing different flavors, but then also they're getting those veggies in, but without us actually always hiding those veggies. They kind of are being told straight out, we, well, we're wanting to still be telling them that we are still having a cauliflower pizza and so that they're still learning about that vegetable and being exposed to it, but now it's just in a different way. So it doesn't really give them that same fear as, oh my goodness, I'm eating cauliflower as a vegetable. I sometimes have that feeling with cauliflower. My mum would yeah. murder me, but um, I've had some really good deep fried cauliflower with sweet chilli sauce recently. <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned the hiding vegetables. I feel like there are a couple of two, two real schools of thought when it comes to it. You've got people who... Like, right, let's, and I've done this in the past with my kids, certainly, right, let's make a pasta sauce, we'll cook vegetables with an inch of their lives, blitz them up, they'll never know that it's in this tomato sauce, and I know that my kid's getting some broccoli, some carrots, some pumpkin, what have you. And then there's the other school of thought, which was veggies are veggies, and they should know what they're eating. What, um, what, where do you stand on that scale, and, and what, what advice would you give to anyone who is having some, some difficulties getting veggies into their kids? So I kind of sit in the middle of that scale. I think that it's perfectly fine for us to be making that pasta sauce that's loaded with veggies. But where you wanting to really make the distinguish this distinction is is still sometimes be making that same pasta sauce with your children, but then allowing them to be putting that veggie into the food. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, pasta sauce or anything else. I make some really good chocolate muffins with my little girl, for example, but one of the main ingredients is actually baby marrows. The grated zucchini is the big thing. So she has the job of grating her zucchinis and then putting them into the mixture. And she really loves these, and she knows that there is something in there. She's seen the zucchini. She's been exposed to it. But then she's not almost put off it when she's eating it because it is something that she likes and something that she feels safe around eating. So it's that it is technically hidden in that food, but she still has seen it and been exposed. So she's always going to be getting that sensory exposure, even if I'm not eating it just as a zucchini the way we would traditionally be eating it. We're still creating an element of safety around that food so that it becomes easier for them to potentially be managing at a later point. I wanted to ask you because you are a dietitian, you, you specialize in pediatrics and especially around fussy eaters and infant nutrition. And it's such a highly emotional topic, I think, for a lot of parents. You know, you yeah. uh, you spend time cooking this food, you spend time trying to get this food into your child and then, you know, the mouth slams shut and they push the spoon away and you're kind of left feeling dejected and, and often a bit angry, to be honest. How can we kind of compartmentalize our feelings and just try to keep on persisting any advice for staying calm in the face of a fussy eater so it's something that i actually really spend a lot of time with my clients on is that anxiety that parents are feeling and the reason being is that the anxiety that we're experiencing as parents that really goes onto our children and so our children also start to get anxious and what happens when we're anxious is we change what nervous system is in control and so our children actually lose an element of their appetite because they're changing what what nervous system is in charge so for parents, it's really about kind of 
understanding what your responsibility is in eating. So for parents, your responsibility is offering the right food in the right kind of format, so making it safe for our child, whatever age they are. And then we're in charge of the where are we offering and the when are we offering. And then really getting that, that this is where my responsibility ends. Mm -hmm. If my child wants to eat and how much they want to eat is really going to be on them. So it's really educating parents into where does your responsibility end and that takes an element of that anxiety away. But it's one of the biggest things that I really focus on for parents. And even just before a mealtime, if you can just kind of step away, once you've prepared that meal, take a step away, take a couple of calm breaths and then go into that mealtime because that will really help you to go in with that less anxious energy. And so automatically your children are going to be taking starting that meal on a step forward versus a step backwards. I love that because I, I, I've, I have had those moments of like, <laughs> just spend half an hour and, and you know, all the money yeah, on this food and, and I, you're not eating it. And they can change their mind. Exactly. You know, I, my, I had my daughter this morning with a mouthful of cereal saying, I don't like cereal anymore. I'm like, you're, eat, you're currently eating cereal. Um, I want to go to the text lines to see if we can help some people out this afternoon. Jess has been in touch saying, all was great with our daughter until she turned two, then started refusing everything. Her diet now is very limited. She used to eat all fruits and vegetables. Now it's just apples and cucumbers. What, what did we do wrong? Jess, you did nothing wrong. But, um, but what, it's interesting that, that age too, because I had this with my girls and I know a lot of people that suddenly they start to make their feelings known, start to assert themselves. Is that quite a common thing, you know, with, with your background as a dietitian? Is it something you have people coming into clinic with? That is so common. So anywhere between the age of one and three, it's when children really start to kind of assert themselves, start to want to show their independence. And one of the easiest ways for them to show their independence is with food because we can kind of force them to get dressed, but we can't force them to eat something. If we try Mm -hmm. to force them to eat it, they'll spit it out. And so that's why it's the easiest way to be maintaining their independence and maintaining their control. Unfortunately, what happens is where we go from now becoming kind of a piggy eater to possibly moving into that problem eater where we really have limited foods is that as parents, we respond and then we go, okay, well, you're not eating the meat or the broccoli or the cauliflower, so we just won't offer it to you anymore. And then that kind of just reiterates to our children that it's okay not to eat these foods. So what I always say to parents is, your child is going to start to assert that independence. And if it's anything that they're refusing, keep still offering that food, but don't make a big deal about when you're offering that food. Just have it on the plate. If you're positioning the plate in front of them, have that food always facing closer towards them so that they're seeing it a little bit more, but never kind of put that pressure on them as, please, will you try it? Just one bite, just take one bite. It's just about having it on the plate and going, that's your food. If you don't want to eat it, it's okay. But there isn't anything else that's going to be replacing that food. So it's just keep on that gentle persistence, that. That, that constant presence. And just keep that's offering, exactly keep offering, it. offering. Okay, because that was yeah. my mistake as well. I stopped offering. I was like, well, you're not going to eat it. So what's the point? I'm exactly. now hoping it's not too late to reverse this. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned there about this kind of... Like when when does picky eating become problematic? You know, when does it yeah. them asserting themselves, and then when does it become a nutritional or health problem? What would you say to anyone who's listening who thinks, okay, maybe I do need to get some expert help? So, if your child is eating anything less than twenty different foods, that's when we really look at it and say, now this child would be considered a problem eater versus being a picky eater. 
they're still eating that more than 20 foods in terms of a variety of foods, then they're still that picky eater and they're much easier to be working with and starting to get them eating bigger, bigger variety. But once I'm down to 20 and some kids we can get them down to kind of five or 10 foods, then we know that we've actually got a much bigger issue here and they'll need some quite intensive feeding therapy to be helping them to be brought in their variety of foods. But it is always a thing of the earlier we can get them into that treatment, the better the outcome is going to be. Um, a, a bit of an emotional question from Kay here on 4001. Um, simply says, my parents ruin everything. Any kind of routine or healthy eating we try to teach our kids gets shattered every time they visit their grandparents. Don't know what to do. I feel like my parents are the ones that need disciplining. How can I help my kids differentiate between exceptions at, the, at my parents' house and the routine we've created at home? This is so familiar for so many families. And my mum was really strict with me growing up, you know, very much like we don't eat, you know, just, just very sensible. With my kids, Granny Babs has got this for you. Ooh, look what Granny Babs bought for you. I'm like, mum, <laughs> it's like, you know, unchaperoned children at a kid's birthday party around her house. Yeah. How can you do that and have those conversations without ruining family relations? So what you really want to try and do is, Try to create with your kids that there isn't really a distinction between good food and bad food Mm. or kind of those treat foods. And so this is the way you can approach it with your parents or in-laws or other family members in terms of saying to them that, yes, you are willing, like you're allowed to be giving them some of these foods, but when you do give it to them, don't make a big deal about giving it to them and don't say that it's a special treat that you're at granny's house and now you're getting ice cream. It's just that I'm at granny's house and I'm having ice cream at granny's house, for example. Mm-hmm. And okay. it's as soon as we start to put more emphasis on it, that, oh my goodness, this is something that only happens when I'm in this space, that's when it becomes that the food almost like gets put on that pedestal and oh, I need this food, I want this food, versus just having it as it's actually just a regular food you might only get it at this place but at the end of the day it is actually just food i think that's something that a lot of us adults could listen to as well um wise words indeed um jordana thank you so much for your time this afternoon you can be found on instagram at jv underscore nutrition um and great resource for some sensible advice and some great recipes as well have a wonderful weekend ahead and uh, i love the sound of those chocolate zucchini muffins so save me some (laughs) thank you so so much You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen with Spinneys. Only on Dubai Eye 103.8. Don't forget, you can tune in live to Farmer's Kitchen every single Thursday afternoon on Dubai Eye 103.8 between 2 and 5 p.m.